This podcast is all about courageous stories of people who have found that simultaneous space between grace and struggle. Meet my friends. Hi, Emma. Hey. It is so good to have you on the show today. I um, am very excited, everyone. This is my really good friend, Emma. Um, and I'm going to let her introduce herself today and say a little bit, Emma, I want you to say a little bit about who you are and in a few words, why you think I asked you on here today. Awesome. Okay. So my name is Emma. I, um, I actually grew up with your family. Um, I mean like, uh, my mom and you were besties and I just kind of like, it was kind of like I inherited like all of your kids as friends just <laughs> automatically by default. Uh, yeah, it comes with the territory of having kids that spend so much time to help and be friends. Um, but yeah, so I am from Texas. Um, I've kind of lived all over crazy story. I feel like that's that's the reason. Um, I have an insanely layered story and I feel like no matter who I'm talking to from whatever walk of life I don't care who you are like part of my life um people can relate to like something um because I've been through like a scope of things and so I think that like the reason that you asked me on the podcast is because like it's so um it's so versatile but it in every single scenario ends hopeful yeah oh that's really good yeah that's a good description (laughs) so yeah you're very right your story has lots of layers and lots of facets and lots of little glimmers of all kinds of things and an overreaching theme of hope um Mm -hmm. so today what would you like to share tell us about one of your greater challenges that you walked through when where how what when why oh man okay so there are like so many things that I could hit on um but like honestly I feel like um when I look back on my life and like the things that have really just stuck out as like challenges to me all stem from uh losing my mom when I was 11 and like really it just sent me uh we she had breast cancer for three years um passed away in 2011 and it really was just one of those things where like that just seemed like the beginning of a downhill slope for me. Um, I like, by the time I was 15, was diagnosed with like anxiety, depression, um, OCD, insomnia, like all these crazy things. And then um, when I was 18, I left home and I was like, peace out. I never want to talk to you guys again. I was really angry and hurt um, after losing her. And like, I was immediately um, put on medication, all of these things, dropped out of college because of an eating disorder. But like all of these things, it really just seemed like the entire time, the problem was that my identity was that my mom died. Like it seemed like there was nothing else that you needed to know about me other than like, I went through this big, terrible thing, um, this big tragedy. And so that was like really like this banner that I held through my whole life and like, I think it just really ended up me being a victim, whatever scenario I was in. Um, And like, yes, there were a lot of situations that were like, totally not my fault, totally just sucked. And, um, but it was like, 
it all just like it affected who I was so deeply because it was like I'm Emma and I'm just sad like that's the thing about me that you should know yeah wow so tell us a little bit about the lowest moments during that period what were some of the emotions you were going through what what was you know, you've kind of already described a little bit the identity. That was your identity. So kind of what was going on for you in those low moments? Yeah. Um, so during this time, sad people make bad decisions. Like there's just no, like, you're just not level-headed when you're sad. You just make bad calls. And like, I think that everyone has one of those stories, you know? Um yeah. But I ended up in a really, like, I ended up in really sketchy situations um, because of the fact that I had no hope. I did not value my life. Um, I, like, dealt with suicidal thoughts and actually, like, a few attempts by the time I was, like, 17. And it's, like, that kind of darkness. I feel like it just, it's ridiculous because it's, like, you experience this hopelessness and then all of a sudden, like, your life has no value and you end up in these weird places that now looking back on, I'm like, what were you thinking? You know, but in those moments, like I thought that I had no option for a lot of things. So I actually ended up married and living really far from my family, um, not in contact with any of them. I was all alone and my relationship with this guy ended up super abusive, um, emotionally, physically. And it was just like, like those days where I was like, I literally don't know why I'm alive. Like, I don't want to be, I don't like, I had convinced myself that nobody wanted me to be, or like nobody cared. Um, and so it was like, it, it's like hopelessness, but like to the degree where you don't even realize that that's what it is. Like it didn't, it just seemed like this is who I am. Like, this is how it's going to be, you know, cause I've been dealing with it for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good description. And even kind of like the spiral, like we think about the spiral, but it's sometimes not a spiral. It's like a slow fade mm-hmm. into it. And then before yeah. you, that's just, it is what it is. You know, that's what yeah. it feels like. That's absolutely. So what were some of the ways that you coped good and bad during yeah. that? Okay, so um, I grew up in church, um, but I wasn't necessarily a Christian at all through all of this um but I like I always in my lowest moments was not even necessarily drawn to the people that believed in God that I had in my life but I was always drawn to the church because I was like this is a safe place this is what I know um even if I was like I don't think I agree with anything you guys believe in I was like I like desperately need hope and that's something that like Christians had and I recognized that So there were, um, I found this church in Kansas where I was living and I would go like when, (laughs) when I was allowed to, um, and it was like this safe haven of just like, I would go there and like, nobody really knew me at all. I wasn't plugged in or anything. Like, I don't, I think I talked to like two people in like the two years I was there, but, um, I was always drawn to church always. Um, and music, those were like my healthiest coping mechanisms. 
I threw myself into um, creating, even though it was all really sad stuff. Like it was not, it was not like healthy creating, um, like expression or it was like, beautiful. it was like really sad. And so, um, and then like unhealthy, like, oh man, eating disorders, self-harm, like the whole nine yards, you know? Um, and it really like all stemmed from this like worthlessness that I felt but it wasn't like something that you could just talk to people about yeah Yeah. so true oh gosh so what did your support look like friends family faith what what kind of started started the ascent yeah so I um so I actually for a long time was not um not in contact with my family for like almost two years, honestly, um, there were like a couple of moments in between, but I really like, I didn't have access to them. Um, because of the situation I was in, I wasn't necessarily like allowed to talk to them. Um, and so because of that, I like felt so alone. Um, and I like in those situations, you can convince yourself of anything. And so I was like, my family hates me. They don't love me. And like the whole time my family was like, interceding for me to come home and like waiting for that call you know um and I as far as friends go I was like very surface level with everyone so it's like I don't think that anyone I ever came in contact with in those like four years that I was not at home really ever actually knew me um which is like I feel like that's very uh normal for trauma victims anyone that goes through you know it's like intimacy is the thing that we need in community. Like we're made for intimacy. We're made for community. So of course, when something's going wrong, that's the last thing you want. Um, but I did, I had people that like made efforts and I was like, no, I'm solo. Like, yeah. I like isolation. It's a killer for sure. Um, yeah. But actually at the end of that, I like, I just remember I had this day And I feel like, I mean, I know it was the Lord. Um, I had this day where I just realized, like, if I stay here, I'm going to die. And all of a sudden, it was, like, not a good thing anymore. Um, So that day, I called my dad. And I was like, hey, this is where I am. This is what's happening. Like, help. And I think literally that week, I had had, like, two or three people in my family actually reach out to me just to be like, hey, love you. Like, miss you. Hope you're good. And I was like, wait a second. Like, you remember me like what and so that was really like a turning point for me and then realizing like oh wait I I do have people like I have so many people in my corner you know wow how neat oh that phone call huh yeah it's a big deal (laughs) big deal awesome yeah so did it resolve has the end result looked like you thought and how where are you at today Oh man, I'm in Fort Worth. (laughs) Um, No, I never ever thought that I would be where I am as a person today. Um, That phone call saved my life. And like my dad literally was like, we always joke about it, but it was like an absolute prodigal son moment where I was like, dad, I'm eating with pigs and he was like I'll come get you like right now and I was like no don't worry I'll drive home so I left Kansas with nothing I left Kansas with the clothes on my body 
50 bucks and was like, hope I make it to Texas, I guess. I don't know. And um, it started this like really progressive, just like, I don't know. It was like really, I just was continually making steps forward to become stable. Like I hadn't been able to hold a job mm -hmm. um, due to like anxiety, just like anxiety. I couldn't talk on the phone, like, crazy stuff. Um, and so when I moved home, my family just like took me back. Like nothing ever happened. Like nothing was weird. They just were like, we cleaned your room out, like, welcome home. And it was so beautiful. And that is like, I attribute so much of my healing process to them. They got me in church. I was a hooligan. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Um, I don't believe anything you believe, but they were like, we don't really care. We just want to, like, we just want you here. We just want you to be safe and we love you. So I like in September, of 2019 um that was like when i moved home and then that january 2020 i had a radical encounter with the lord um where i like wasn't taught about healing necessarily as a kid any type like you know the long processes the radical like friends lowering you through the roof and getting you know getting up and walking that kind of stuff i like didn't have a grid for those things but i like I radically got healed from all of the, and like today it was literally like next moment I was like a hundred percent good. And it blows my mind even today. So like, I mean, <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. It still blows my mind to think about, but, um, so that really began like my journey with the Lord and letting, letting him into those dark places that I had convinced myself were part of who I am. And the Lord really came in and was like, no, no, let me teach you who you are. Like, let me show you. Um, cause you make a mess when you put your hands in things. And so it really has been beautiful. Like the past three years, um, I actually like went to school. I went to ministry school and I like read my Bible for the first time in my life. And I like actually spent the last year um, doing an internship and I'm actually like I've been pastoring people and like discipling people that have been through the same thing and it's really it's beautiful because I look at how quickly the Lord turned my life around like how quickly he taught me things um, how quickly I did walk through that healing process because I surrendered it to him you know that's one of the neat things that I'm hearing like in your story is the little steps, you know, like the yeah. little steps that led to big, big movement, right? Because yeah. like the phone call and just those yeah. steps of faith that, you know, sometimes they're so hard to make, but like what they lead to is just, yeah. uh, gosh, that's awesome. So my favorite quote or one of my favorite quotes, you know me, like I have lots of favorites of everything <laughs> one that I always say on this show is that miracles are retelling in small letters of the very same story, which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. You've already said a little bit. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the miracle that you saw. Yeah, I think that the fact that I'm here and alive, first of all, yes. miracle. Um, there were so many moments where I shouldn't have made it. And I... It's only by the Lord's grace. <laughs> like he, he just was like, 
you are, I feel like there's so many moments where the Lord was like, you're making a mess, but I got you. Like, it's going to be really good. Like, I got you now. Um, But yeah, just the miracle of like my life, but also I know so many people that lose loved ones that have these issues and they never see resolution. Um, it's like something that plagues them for their whole life. And I think for me, the testimony of my life and the miracle that it is, is like, no, the Lord loves you. (laughs) And he like, he wants to heal you. He wants to help you make those hard, those hard phone calls. Like he wants to help reconcile everything. And I think that that's like the beautiful thing is, um, it's all, unto something you know every like every moment that I had and I don't discount the journey um by any means I think it probably could have taken a lot less time if I would have you know (laughs) made a couple uh made some better choices but it's like it's beautiful the way that it worked out because the Lord was like his hand was in it the whole time even when I couldn't see it so when I was one of those people that didn't recognize miracles like he was still working on my behalf Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's that's just beautiful. I have chills. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, like right now, I know that um I've been honored to get messages back from people that are like listening to this show and it, like I can't tell you how how much of an honor it is like to get these messages from people just saying that they are they're looking for hope, they're looking for a reason, they're looking for um a reason to make those baby steps, you know, like all the things and people struggling like with anxiety, with depression, with, you know, grief and just these heavy things of this world that are just so heavy. And so as we think about that, you know, Emma, if there was one thing that you would share with somebody that's listening and they're going through personal struggles, you know, right now and they're listening, what would be the thing that you would share? What's kind of the song that you want to sing forever? Oh, man. That's a good question. <laughs> the song I want to sing forever is that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever for real. <laughs> like it actually, I just think I came into all of this with this like really twisted view of God um, just because growing up in church, you know, and then bad stuff happens and someone has to be at fault we think and literally the lord has been so good to me and his love is ridiculous and now that i have relationship with him i can look back on those moments where i felt absolutely hopeless and realize that like he was not far nor was he just letting things happen the way that they like there's no There's no coincidences. There's no like haphazard anything with the Lord. Like he's so intentional with us and he loves us. And so just to like reiterate the fact that like the Lord is good despite what you think or what you feel. Mm. Powerful. Absolutely. Well, I knew it would be good. Um, (laughs) It's been so good. I know everyone that's listening now is also your bestie. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I said I love that. So thank you so much. And um, 
Maybe we'll chat again one day and we can talk about another layer of Emma. Hey, I am so down. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening as always. And we really appreciate your support. I know you guys were encouraged. Emma is just such an inspiring young lady. And a special treat to close out the show, Emma has shared with us a little excerpt from one of her songs that's coming out on an album soon. And just shut your eyes, sit back, relax, and just hear those words, a song straight from her heart. Your eyes are ever on me There's nothing I lack Thank you God for Fresh eye contact Your eyes are ever on me There's nothing I lack